Hey Conjugate Chat friends, this is Mike Cunningham from Gill Athletics and I need your help or maybe I need to help you. See, we have a crap ton of rubber bumper plates and other weight room items that we need to clearance. We need to clear them out of our factory. That's right, a crap ton. That's the official measurement. All offers will be considered. Email me at mcunningham at gillathletics.com to see the full list and check out the show notes right here on Conjugate Chats for a link to see the items and my email address. Thanks everybody and stay strong. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and uh, taking the time to sit down and just listen in on what we got going on here on the podcast today. Uh, a couple of things before we get going into the episode is uh, I want to do a couple ad reads for our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions. They are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I'll put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides Coaches with the elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is also full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Please be sure to sit back, listen in, and enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. Thank you. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chat. I'm your host, John Mark Raspberry, current strength coach over at Dyer County High School. I have Anna Woods on today, so I'm going to let her introduce herself, her backstory, why she got into strength conditioning, and everything else in between. I feel like it's been an evolving evolving role for me. Um, I was a collegiate athlete myself, played college softball, um, have injuries and, and illness and surgeries and things like that, so I feel like my perspective in coaching is a lot from the standpoint of how important strength is, how important being conditioned is, um, just being smarter athlete, not necessarily always working harder, but also working smarter. So I feel like I come into things with a lot uh, of experience. And, and the important for, part for me with coaching is that I always want to feel like I'm speaking from a place of authenticity. Um, I don't like to try to get outside those lines too much. If I can't fully give and feel like I have a perspective that I've experienced on the matter and I don't have someone within my local realm to help, then it's not an area that I tend to try to get involved in too heavily. Um, but yeah, I played, I played college softball. I got a degree in exercise science. Um, I got married and had my first daughter within my senior year of graduating from college. So 
immediately out of college, I had this fresh degree. I wanted to coach. I wanted to do personal training. I wanted to do strength and conditioning, but I also wanted to be a mom. So I actually, we moved to an extremely, I lived, I graduated from Oklahoma and then we moved to North um, Kansas, central Kansas, which is closer to where I'm from. I'm from central Kansas. Um, my husband's from Oklahoma. So we moved back here to a very rural area that, that had no gym. The school had a really, really small, tiny gym, and I didn't even work for the school at the time. Um, and so there was there was nothing within like 30 miles of, of any sort of strength and conditioning, any sort of personal training. We had a rec, like a rec department, but it had nothing in that way. So the first year, I trained clients out of my basement. We had a little squat rack in there and some dumbbells, and my daughter would sleep in her playpen or sleep in her room next door, and I would only train during during her hours of napping or early in the morning and in the evening, um, people would drive out on gravel roads, like 10 or 15 minutes outside of town to come out and work out with me. And it, it kind of evolved from there. Then I put together a program, proposed to our rec, asked if I could teach some group exercise, had people bring their own dumbbells in. Um, again, my daughter would play with her toys in the corner while I would teach exercise. Um, and kind of at that point, even in college, I had a huge passion for helping special populations. I wasn't one of those students right out of college that was like, man, I'm going to coach athletes. I want to be a college coach. I want to train like the big timers. That was never, I don't know, in my passion, I guess. I wanted to help those who needed health and fitness kind of as a lifeline. Um, it, that it was a necessity for them, not so much a cosmetic or athletic thing at that point in time. Um, so every day for like a year, I would go into our, our local retirement facility there in town and ask if I could come in and volunteer and teach exercise classes. And I got turned down over and over and over. I think finally at like 11 months, the lady was feeling like, all right, like you keep asking me, what's this going to look like? I'm like, I will bring, I, I will bring dumbbells in. I will bring bands in, just have the residents in the center area so I can just teach a class. And I said, you can, you can document balance. You can document falls. You can document independence, like whatever it is. I know I can make changes in here. Like just give me the time. So for the first month or so I'd go in two or three days a week. I, I found a wagon. I'd pull all my dumbbells in that I got at garage sales and stuff in a wagon. I'd carry my daughter and in her playpen. Um, and for like a month, I taught strength exercises for um, elderly in a retirement village three days a week for like 30 minutes. And um, then it turned into two classes. Then it turned into three classes. Then I actually went into the actual, I was in the assisted living, independent living. Then I went into the actual nursing home high risk and started teaching there. And then I got on staff and they started paying me. Um, and from there, the therapist that I got to know in there asked me if I'd be interested in working with several adults with Down syndrome that were obese and had obesity and, and were losing their ability to be independent. Um, because of their obesity and I was like sure I've never tried anything like that before but I'm open like I felt like it kind of falls under the umbrella of what I'm passionate about um, so like 17 years ago in May I, it was my first work with adults with special needs and that's kind of been the translation from there I ended up taking on several clients my first those two girls that I started working with lost 70 and 80 pounds in the first year um, I ended up getting contracted out with the day service where they go and work and stay during the day. I started contracting out with them. I still work with them to this day. Um, I work with three or four 
day service providers now, as well as individuals with special needs. But that's kind of become the for the constant in my personal training and strength and conditioning programming. And then everything around it has kind of evolved. I've had my own studio at some point. I helped open a CrossFit gym at one point in time. Went back to training in my garage. Um, and so for since about 2013, I've trained uh, in my barn, which is where I'm at right now talking to you. Um, but back in a rural area, we've moved a lot because of my husband's job, but still in central Kansas in a rural area. Now I, now I have people come to my barn gym and <laughs> train with me here. But uh, those are kind of the two constants, I guess, to answer your question there. Awesome, Anna. And I want to kind of touch on the special population training because, you know, when we're all in undergrad and we're thinking about kinesiology, exercise science, we're thinking I'm going to work in the NFL, NBA, yeah. college, you know, working with elite athletes. And, you know, sometimes we need to work with special populations as well because, like, one, it really hones in on your coaching yeah. because you're working with, you know, people with special needs. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of shows, and it's, it's a great testament to you because, like, not everyone can do that. Not everyone has the patience to, you know, work with a special population. So, you know, my hat's off to you, and, you know, you post it from time to time on social media, on Twitter, and, you know, um, you know I just want to commend you on that because that's, that's just remarkable. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So. Go ahead. Go for it. No, I was just going to say that's. I can't really say where my initial interest in that or desire from that came from. Um, my grandma was in a nursing home for a long time, and we went and visited her all the time as a kid. So I think I grew up around people being in wheelchairs, um, people with special needs. And so I never had a fear or or a put off from that. Um, so I always say my great grandma kind of started that way back when I was a kid. Uh, just by being around her and the people she lived with for a long, long time. Um, and so I think that was always in the back of my mind. I, I didn't want to be, or I didn't want my grandma to be the person that had to rely on staff for a long time or be in a wheelchair for a long time when she was mentally so strong all the way up till 96, she passed away, but she didn't have the physical strength to, to match that. And so I think that was always something in the back of my mind that, that motivated me from early on yeah absolutely and me and my dad were talking about this the other day of you know at some point in your life you're going to need a, a level of fitness you're going to need the weight room you're going to need resistance training at some given point yeah uh you're you know you're going to have to go in, on a treadmill go for a walk you know there's going to be some level of fitness that you're going to need at any point of your life yeah. um you know and people with you know special needs and you know, kind of need a little bit more focus on that because, you know, they, that, that's not where their mind's at. You know, right. they're not thinking about their fitness. Right. They're thinking about, you know, other things as well. So what are some things that you do with uh, special needs people and their training to lose weight, to uh, regain some of that strength? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I agree with that. I always tell people weightlifting is a lifetime sport. <laughs> Because just exactly why why you said it, we're going to need it at some point, and if we can learn it early on, it's something you can carry with you and use forever. Um, so for me, my approach is very client based, but uh, always functional, functional and and fun. I always laugh 
I have very rarely met a client with special needs that likes fitness or likes working out. <laughs> so we always joke about it, like the other F word in their mind, like they don't like fitness. And so we don't use that F word in our, <laughs> our training because if you say, do you want to exercise or do you want to do fitness? They're done. They will not even enter the room with you. And that is out. And I think for, so part of my backstory is because of my work with um, those two ladies that I had with Down syndrome. My husband and I were actually uh, inspired to adopt our son. So we adopted my son at two and he has Down syndrome. Um, and so then it became a personal thing for me. Um, he was very small. He, he lived in really awful conditions. So at two, he weighed 16 pounds and had never been out of his crib before. Um, and so immediately my mind is going, all right, what are things I can do functionally that he's going to want to do that he thinks is fun and in reality is actually working out? Um, but they go through hours and hours of therapy. Like, man, we were in, we're still in speech several hours a week, but physical therapy, occupational therapy, heart cardiology, uh, you know, and so in their mind, anything fitness related is therapy and it takes them right back to not a fun thing. And so I have to do a very good job of differentiating like do you want to come dance? Like, let's go dance. Oh my God, I got this new playlist. I want you to come listen to my music. I want you to um, come play a game with me. Uh, it has to be a different approach, at least initially. And then from there, I try to throw in as much functional stuff as we can. So we do dancing a lot, like Cupid Shuffle and the Cha-Cha Slider staples in almost all of my warm-ups for adults with special needs. We'll throw in the Hokey Pokey, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Um, the Macarena, depending on their functional ability. I have two songs I've choreographed myself, the arm song and the leg song. You can only use your arms in the arm song. You can only use your legs in the leg song. Um, and I throw dumbbells in and I'm like, oh yeah, see how many squats you can do with <laughs> these dumbbells during the leg song, you know? And then all of a sudden they've done 40 squats and they don't even realize it. But um, always intent, always a modality. I always say, if you can put something in their hands that they can utilize, that's also a really good distraction outside of exercise. And once I've gained that trust and they see it as fun, then we can start throwing in a barbell or we can start throwing in some med balls or we can start throwing in some other things. But the initial buy-in has to be fun and not fitness. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, yeah, now I have several, I mean, some of my adults I've been working with forever. They can do deadlifts. They can do cleans. They know what bench press is. They can do back squat, front squat, um, split squat. They can do med ball throws. But it takes, a, it's literally like a two-year process of learning and, and it's visual learning. So you have to, like you said, be extremely patient. And it's, in my opinion, and the people outside looking in, it looks very boring, but they love it. Like they need that repetition to learn the movement, to understand it, and then to gain strength. Like it's a slow process. They're processing the slower most of the time. Therefore, you got to be willing to stick with that consistent program for a long, long time. Some of them I've been working with all 17 years and we're literally doing the same template of, of programs. We just vary it here and there. Um, a lot of, a lot of people with special needs have high anxiety or like ADHD or ADD and any change will throw them off and, and you're not going to get them back for a long time. So there's comfort for them in knowing what they're coming in and doing each day. Uh, and so we make a list or I have them make a chart or we write it on the whiteboard and they check off what they've done or what they want to do. 
So there's some independence and buy-in on their side as well. But long answer to a short question, but basically I train them just like I do anyone else. I just repeat a lot of the same things, try to make it a little more fun, I guess, and try to give them some ownership within that so that they're comfortable with what we're doing. It's pretty similar to how we train high school athletes as well, yeah. because what, if you mentioned the word of fitness or you want to go squat 500 pounds, you know, stuff like that, you know, you might as well just, you know, forget the rest of the day. But, um, I mean, it's no different than really training high school athletes because, right. like, you still want quality movement. Yep. You're still doing basic fundamental movements to ensure functional, you know, qualities for them. Yeah. You know, are they able to squat? Can they hinge? Can they you know, do a lunge? Can they press? Can they do certain things? Yeah. These all sound like things we do in the high school realm anyways. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like when I advocate, that's 100% what I say. Like, in people's mind, they, they, they see these population as fragile or breakable or intimidating or overwhelming. I mean, these are words I've heard over and over again about why people don't want to train this population. And I always say they're the least fragile client or or athlete you're going to work with because the amount of surgeries most of them have been through the amount of pt most of them have been through is light years ahead of what your average athlete the, the pain that they've had to deal with or struggle like they're going to be your toughest athlete so don't worry about the fragile part um so yeah it, it's exactly i mean you hit it right on the head i, I literally don't change much with them i i have similar expectations i always say like i have strict boundaries but i'm extremely flexible within that um and the only difference is just ability to transition ability to process information and then whatever their physical limitations might keep them from doing but you know i was sitting here and thinking about this as well because you know in the high school realm we want to build quality movements and everything like not not just for the sport right but for life after their sport as well. And, I mean, it's no different than what you're doing with the special populations because, you know, you're preparing them physically for life outside of, you know, the gym or outside of, outside of that facility. Yeah. You know, you're ensuring that they are strong enough to basically live their life yeah. with, you know, as less pain as they're going through. Right, right. And independence, like my gals in wheelchairs, from a financial standpoint, the least amount they have to rely on a staff to transition them from their chair to their bed or their chair to their chair is is financially beneficial. Two, we all want independence, you know, so the less they have to rely on somebody, that's a confidence thing, that's a longevity thing, that's a that's a lot of things. Um but yeah, just like I said, it's for them it's an immediate feedback, it's an immediate need. Um, yeah, they laugh about, well, okay, I want a six pack, <laughs> but they also know there's a lot more to that for them. Um, the need is higher initially, I guess. So. Absolutely. Now you kind of dipped your toe into high school training right now and collegiate because you're at both a high school and a community college as well. Yes. So how do you balance that out? <laughs> well, I will say for the high school, the most of the time I'm right now just doing summer summer program i run the high school our local high school women's program and then non-football boys just for the summer and then sometimes one or two months in the winter if i'm needed so i don't actually work in the school system as a teacher or a coach i'm actually just hired contractual 
for like like summer and off season for certain sports. And then at the college, I actually am only working with the college softball team hands on right now. I coach some of the other female sports through online programming. Like I send their coaches the programs and they follow it. We, I go in, check in, make sure they're doing well, and then send them more. Um, so they're very limited in both, um, but still hands-on in some capacity, I guess. Just not as much as your typical full-time teacher coach at either place. So. so what's your approach to, I guess, programming in specific parts of the year? Because, like, you know, softball at some given point, you know, they go through off-season, preseason, in-season. Yeah. So what is your approach to that? For softball? Yeah, so in the summer, we're doing a lot of speed, agility, get them outside, running, power explosiveness training. Um, honestly, a lot of them go right from college season right into summer season, so they don't, quote, have an off-season until, like, November. <laughs> and then they play fall ball, so we start building back to pretty – pretty heavy strength more volume um through the fall and then we hit it really hard november december january like heavy slow strength once january rolls around then we're starting to peel back the slow heavy stuff and and uh, moving back into more less days a week more functional uh fast moving rotational and then as the season goes on then we start working a lot more like antagonists like posterior shoulder rotation pelvic pelvis, uh, anti-rotation abilities by oblique sling access, uh, more specifics of just maintaining at that point. Uh, so yeah, I don't, that's kind of my approach with the softball girls anyway. So what are some other like things you see in the community college realm? Because like, uh, obviously there's the, you know, the colleges, right? So your power fives, mm -hmm. D1, D2, D3, NAIA, but that community college is a little bit different because you get some athletes that are there because of grades or some athletes just want to continue their playing career. Yeah. So what's your approach to like training those athletes? Because some are, some of their modes are a little bit different yeah. than someone that just goes on to college straight out of high school. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, and I don't know that I have a straight answer except for trying to create culture first of team unity, um, understanding what your role is on the team as a, as a, as a unit. Like I, I have amazing coaches that I get to work with. They come in the weight room every time we lift, they're giving me feedback. They're saying, this is this, this girl's story. This is what this girl's got going on. I get like get that personal relationship. Um, I know a long time ago, someone told me the strength coaches have the beautiful role of not determining positions so as a result you can kind of go deeper with some of those kids because they're not fearful of losing their spot in the lineup or on the field by can by sharing with you or whatever so after I heard that like I I kind of changed my mindset and um I only get these kids for two years they always joke that the kids keep getting younger and we keep getting older because every two years you have the same age coming in like 18 year olds over and over and over again but um building a culture and then trying to figure out how to mesh all the different dynamics um and then getting as much as you can in with them in two years some are just there to play two years and they want to be done and they move on and i hope at that point i've integrated enough lifetime 
strength training in there that they can now go to the gym afterwards. Because there's a huge identity loss when you've played a sport for 20 years and then all of a sudden you don't have anyone telling you what to do or how to do it. So towards the end of their sophomore year, I start giving them some ownership of workouts. Like here's a, here's a glutes, here's an abs, here's a bias tries. You can implement this in the last 15 minutes of your workout today because I want you to start figuring out how to do some of this on your own. Um, when they first come in, it's all movement-based. Like this might've been what you learned at your other college. This might've learned what you learned at your high school. This is how we do it here. So I need you to just trust me initially. If you have questions, let's talk about it. Um, but I've almost, this will be the start of my fourth year at this junior college. And I swear it takes two full years of training the girls the way that I do to see the benefits of that. Cause it's always, it never feels like the spring of their second year, girls will start hitting home runs that have never hit home runs in there. And, and, and I can't take all the credit for that. Obviously there's hitting and, and instruction that all comes together, but from a strength standpoint, they'll steal more bases. We went from, I can't remember how many hamstring injuries that the athletic trainer said they had. It averaged like 17 a season. And we've had one knock on wood in two years, three years that I've been there. This will be the start of my fourth. Um, but it takes like a full two years to get to see the translations of some of that. Um, so I think it's just consistently showing up, meeting the kids where they're at, and then being open to conversation and and trying to slowly mesh them into one team unit with all the different dynamics coming in. And, and it's not easy and it doesn't always work. Um, but for the short amount of time I get them, I try to influence them as much as I can for the short term and the long term. And you hit on something I really want to talk about too, and that's life outside of sports. You know, when the athlete comes to the end of their uh, playing career and they have this like absence in their life because they they played you know whatever sport for the last 10 12 15 years and then they get to be what 18 19 20 years old some you know for some collegiate athletes you know 21 22 years old and then they're no longer an athlete anymore and i love that you are kind of like transitioning them to have more ownership of their own like fitness and their own health because you know it's really easy, and I fell in the same trap of when I got done playing, I got so burnt out on the weight room and training and sprinting that, you know, didn't do it for a little bit because it was just so, you know, in, ingrated into everything that I did as, a, as an athlete. You know, a, after, you know, sports, we don't have to go to the gym. Right. I mean, yes, you do, but, I mean, you don't have to yeah. go and sprint. You don't have to do cardio. You don't have to go and do zone two and zone three training. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's awesome what you're doing for them because, like, not a, not a lot of coaches do that. And it's really kind of hard for an athlete to grasp the idea of, I'm not an athlete anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge identity loss. I mean, I experienced it kind of like you said. Like, unfortunately, my, my career, I, end, I had an ACL tear and I had surgery, and then I decided not to play after that. Um, so a lot of them have injury on top of that. But, man, I remember I'd walk into the gym and I would just walk around. And I, I'd be like, I do not want to box squat. I am not running today. I do not want to do shoulder rehab. Like, I don't want to be on the cables. And then you just walk on the treadmill for a while or something, and I just leave. Like, I did that over and over again. I was even working towards a degree in this. <laughs> I still had that. Um, it's, a, it's a big loss. 
Um, so we talk about that emotionally and mentally, like trying to keep your identity as you and not your sport and, and what you're told to do, but it's hard. Like, I think they still, every kid still experiences that letdown. Um, but trying to get out front of it um, and talk about accountability, finding programs that you like outside of that, finding someone to meet you at the gym still. I mean, some of the girls move on to four years and they have their own, but some of the girls will move into apartments together afterwards. And, you know, I'm like, all right, here's what, this is what you got to do. Here's a program. Like I have an app. So a lot of the girls I will leave in the app for a while after they've graduated, just so they can like slowly work into it. And some of them never log in and, and some do every day. It just depends on the kid. But I don't know if there's a, a good answer or solution to that, except for just having open conversation and preparing them for that. Um, because I know I had no prep for that and I had no upfront conversation and it was, it was tough. You feel alone and uh, gain a lot of weight because <laughs> you're so used to eating whatever you want all the time. And then you have that whole piece to deal with, but yeah, I don't have a good Absolutely. answer for that outside of staying out front of it. Absolutely. Uh, a couple more things that I really want to touch on. One is being, I believe you're the owner of She Strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the name of So talk name. to us a little bit more about that because I'm really kind of intrigued by that. Yeah. So I originally, I think I was talking to somebody last week about this. I originally started my business when we moved back to Kansas here and it was called She Beast was the name of my business, what I wanted to do. So I used to compete in Olympic weightlifting. Um, and then I did some CrossFit. And so um, we would get to events and they would, I'd like walk out and they announce you or whatever. And they'd be like, um, what gym are you with? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. I just work out in my garage. I work out in my barn. I don't, I don't have a gym. Like I just lift by myself. So the girls that I used to travel around with, they started calling me home gym. Like, ah, home gym's here. Like, I, oh, you're on my camera, but I have HG written up on the side there on my gym. People always ask me what HG stands for. I'm like, home gym. Like, that was my name for a long time because <laughs> I didn't have a gym. And so I started posting like workouts because at that time I had a really young kid. My daughter was really young still. So that was my only option was to train at home. We didn't have a gym anywhere. I couldn't go anywhere to a gym. And so I just started lifting at home with a barbell and weights. And I would like randomly share this is what I did today while she napped. This is what I did while she crawled around on the floor. This is what I did while she, you know. Um, and people would be like, oh my God, what was that? Can you send me that? Can you send me that workout or whatever. So I used to have, I would work out, I'd put my camera on, I would load it to YouTube and I would just send YouTube playlists to people randomly, like just kind of organically happened, not really thinking beyond that. Um, and, th and then I got on Facebook because it wasn't really a thing back then. You had to be in college still when I was that age. Um, and so I remember I joined Facebook. I'm like, I do not know what this is, but okay. And so I started sharing on that a little more and then it just kind of grew from there. So I decided to open my own business, I guess you could say. So I was going to call it SheBeast. I got all my stuff made, all my business cards and everything. And then I got a letter and a phone call from an attorney somewhere that said someone had the, the word beast trademarked and I could not open my business and I had to have everything taken down within 48 hours or I was going to be sued. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, so I remember I went online that night and I'm like, I need a new business name. Like I need something that, that it exemplifies being a mom and a strength athlete and a coach. Um, and so people started throwing out names and I remember she strength was one of them. And like most of the people voted on that. So I think originally the concept was about me, like being strong as I, 
we were in the process of adopting my son with special needs and then running a business and trying to be strong and then trying to inspire other women to be strong and then competing as an athlete. And now I think it's evolved to just, uh, it, it's a moved away from me, which is what I would prefer anyway, but it's more like a concept or a um, movement or a mentality, you know, like my daughter plays softball and they're always like, you need to find your she string out here before you pitch, you know, like it's just kind of a thing they people joke around around here with, but to me, it's my business name, but a lot more. Um, and so I feel like it kind of just goes with me now. The, the, when people come out here and train, when they when they do string conditioning with me or personal training or they do my online app, which is called She String, that's kind of the idea or the concept behind it. Um, is whatever whatever it defines for you in that moment. Um, I always laugh because people are like, do you train guys? I'm like, I do. I don't train a lot of them. But the guys that I do train don't want me to share their videos under she strength on social media. <laughs> so I do have guys that come out here. I just don't promote them very much. Um, but yeah, it, it encompasses a lot of things, I guess, for me. And for awesome. Me, so. Awesome, Coach. Um, I want to ask you this because um, it's kind of a, a crucial part of your life and a lot of coaches' lives as well. How do you balance being a mom and being an athlete and then being a coach and doing online stuff and have a business. How, how do you balance all that? Well, I, I think like I, I said on one of my other videos I put out not too long ago, like the way I balance is not trying to balance things. Like I don't try to have a stiff schedule. I don't try to have everything figured out. Like I'm kind of day to day. That's just my personality anyway. But I feel like we have rules every day but we kind of float amongst those. So as a parent of a kid with special needs, so my son has Down syndrome and then my, my older daughter had some sensory processing things. And like I said before, schedules are very comforting and, and very important to the behavior um, of a person with special needs. Like for them to stay even keel, they need to know what's coming. It needs to be day-to-day -day consistency. So I feel like to most people, our schedule is probably pretty rigid. To me, I don't feel like it is, but um, like early on, my kids knew from 5 to 7 a.m. That was mom's workout time. Literally on our day planner, that's what it said. Mom workout time. When they were really little, they would have a toy box or a DVD because this was way back in VHS. And I'd only pull that box down during mom's workout time. They only got access to those toys or that video during mom's workout time. Then I'd start having clients come in. And so because my business model was developed around having kids, I've been able to stick with it. For all these i mean my oldest is 17 um having a gym in your home is is a blessing and a curse because you're always working and you always can work but at the same time i can always work you know i don't know if that makes sense but like i can get up in the morning get my kids stressed get two of them on the bus come out here and train two clients go back in throw a load of laundry in do some dishes get supper in the crock pot come back out train some more clients and then because it's at my home, like, I feel like I get to host people on a different level. Like you're literally coming to my house. So you get to be here and my kids come home after school and they come out to the gym and they're telling me and all my clients about their day. Um, and so it's kind of a family. I mean, my clients know more about my kids probably than some of my family members do, but it's just, that's just the environment that I've created because of having kids the whole entire part of my career. So. Having a home gym's made it 
more accommodating in that way, I guess, so that I can do more because I'm not driving. And then when I do go to the college or I do to other places, it's during the day when they're at school or at daycare or whatever they were at. Um, so yeah, I feel like I balance it by not balancing, but also having my gym at my house, build, building a business model around being a mom first is, is how I've been able to do it. And my kids have just grown up with this lifestyle. So I don't know that it's necessarily as easy if you start when your kids are older, but I did when they were young and that's just all they know. Like if I have a class, sometimes they'll come out here and jump in, they'll just pick up barbell and do whatever. And sometimes they don't work out for two or three weeks. I'll have kids out here all the time and they don't want any part of it, but I don't try to push that on them or, or not. But I work a lot online in the evenings after they've gone to bed. Um, I try to take the weekends off as much as possible because having an online app, you've always got people on your phone asking you things. So I, I turn notifications off. When we go on vacations, I try to get away from here. If, if I'm away from here, then I don't feel the need to try to come out and clean the gym or put together some more programming or add a client in last minute. Um, so yeah, I, I really feel like I, I don't have balance. But that's what works for us because we can kind of flow with things as we need. Kind of like organized chaos because it's <laughs> like it's kind of all over the place, but it makes sense to you. Yep. I, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, also, I want to highlight something about like having a schedule saying, you know, this is mom's workout time. Yeah. You know, that's pretty incredible because, you know, you're putting the example up for your kids as well for a lifetime of fitness as well because. You know, it's one thing if we have a coach or if we have, um, you know, a role model outside of the home that's actually, you know, teaching them how to do basic strength movements. But to have mom at home put on the planner for everyone to see, say, this is mom's workout time. This yeah. is time that, you know, I'm getting better. Yeah. You know, that's putting a great example up for, you know, obviously your kids because they're seeing it every day for the last, what, right. um, teen years. Yeah. I mean, it's that's incredible. And they don't, they don't know any different either, because it's always just been that from day one. I always say it's okay to be selfish with your health, because for one, like you said, you're setting an example for your kids. So now I'm giving them gift, the gift of fitness. I'm giving them the gift of health. My mom gave that to me, and I want to pass that on to them because it's incredibly important. Um, I may not do great in other areas, but that's the one thing I know I can give them um, and set an example for and make a norm, you know? Um, and while some people have a hard time giving up that time, I just, from day one, was like, this is a non-negotiable. And yeah, there were days where I didn't get anything done, and I was really grumpy because I didn't, but there were more good days than bad following that example. Absolutely. And it helps that you have a uh, training facility as a barn in kind of your backyard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So talk to us about, like, did you build the barn like from the ground up? Was it there when you moved back to Kansas? Um, I mean, that's awesome. You, you train in a barn. That, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. It's funny now because I remember when I first started, I had a couple people that were like, there is no way people are going to drive out to where you live to work out with you. Like like three or four miles on a gravel road. We have a mile driveway. We're way back in the trees. You don't even know we're back here. You drive up and it just looks like there's a shop and a house. Um but it's actually turned into the opposite. Like I have people on social media, hey, we're going to be through Kansas. Is there any way we can come work out in a barn? That's so crazy. You know, and it's turned into this weird concept, I guess. But 
Um, no, when we moved here, that was one of my requests was that we had garage space or shop space for me to work out. Outside of the business, yeah, it would be great, but I just know that's a big part of my life and me staying sane. <laughs> and I needed that. So my husband's a big outdoorsman. So, you know, he likes to have his shop or woodwork or tinkering on whatever out here. So I have one quarter of it. He's got the whole three quarters rest of it. <laughs> but in the wintertime, we close in the walls here. In the summer, I opened up and we have big garage doors out front so that they can come in and out doing stuff when we work out in here. But um, no, it was here when we bought it. It was just a really, really high request list on my request list of things that I wanted when we bought a house. So we spend more time out here. We're bringing the basketball goal out here. We had the trampoline out here when the kids were young. They skated out here. Like we spend more time out here than we do in the house. So this is probably nicer than the house, but this is where we spend all the time. So awesome, coach. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and start wrapping up a couple of things here. Um, I love this segment. It's called Conjugate Coach Spotlight. So is there anyone out there that you want to shout out that's making a difference in the field of strength conditioning sport performance? Oh, man, that's like a long, long list. Um, man, I have to think about that one. That's a tough question. Because every day I scroll on Twitter, I don't even want to know how many things I have bookmarked because I'm like, oh, my God, like that coach has come up with a really cool concept for that. Um, that coach has come up with a really cool concept for that. Um, in the world of streaming conditioning, yeah. I mean, I follow, I, I really like a lot of the stuff Paldeets does. Obviously, I, I follow his stuff a lot. I love his stuff because it's practical and usable, and I use a ton of it with my special pop clients, honestly. Um, any other guys at Altus, I do a lot of their, I use a lot of their speed stuff. Um, I love any of the women that I follow that are streaming conditioning that are speaking out and advocating uh, in their schools for that. So it's hard for me to narrow down. I, I feel like I can't give you a really specific name. That's a terrible answer. But every day, I feel like the standing conditioning field on Twitter, well, there's obviously some days where you try to avoid the conflict, but um, it's inspiring. And I learn a ton from a lot of people that are willing to share. So I would say anybody that's willing to share and be open and put their ideas out there, I'm appreciative of that because I'm always up for learning and trying new things and being proven wrong basically. So. And there are a ton of great female strength coaches out there as well. Uh, a couple that come to mind are Missy Mitchell Macbeth. Yeah. Uh, she's really pushed for you know female strength coaches, yeah. really yeah. Uh, advocating for them. Uh, Aislin Garza has been awesome. Yes. Yes. And uh, I, I know she's in a different role and she might be listening. She might not, you know, yeah. but um, you know, she's really, she's really inspired me to kind of, you know, be my best and be who I am. Yeah. And she's really, you know, she's really, um, she's really awesome. And Alexander as well yep. over at LaPorte in yep. Texas is yep. fan fantastic. Well, it's funny um, how you get to following their family too. I'm always like, oh, what are their kids doing today? What what did their, like her sons do or, or whatever? So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and uh, I want to thank you again for working with a crazy schedule and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, being on the conjugate chats and, you know, just bringing insight to, you know, special population training and, you know, being a mom and 
working out in the barn and everything in between. That's completely awesome. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And that is another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjugate Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also, follow Anna on her social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. And before we end this episode here, I wanted to bring the light to something. Um, Most people on here are either strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches. Um, For those that are aspiring strength coaches out there, um, I set up a Gumroad account, a store even, to provide value back into the field of strength conditioning. Starting with, um, I have study guides on there uh, for anyone that's not past the CSCS or is going to take the CSCS. Um, these are study guys that I've developed over the last three years that I've used in my attempts to pass the CSCS and I wanted to bring that value here to our podcast. So if you will go to the link in the description of this episode, you'll see a link to my Gumroad in which you can purchase or just download for free um, the study guys for CSCS, a couple of my guides for in uh, in season training, and also um, a couple of our products in there as well. Again, thank you for listening in on the Conjugate Chats, and thank you for your continuous support.